I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Zone Time, everybody. Uh, Stanley Cup Final Edition. I'm Julian. Arun is here. Omar is here. Sam is here. We've got a lot to get to. Uh, we've got to keep track of all of the uh, coaching and GM movements from around the league. We'll get to that. Uh, talk about relocation and expansion. Is Atlanta going to get a third chance at an HL team? Is Salt Lake City a viable market? Uh, Vegas and Florida in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, this is going to come out after game two. Uh, but there is uh, some something we could talk about from the Cup final, I'm sure. But there's one thing we all noticed before we got on this recording today. Connor Bedard, uh, who was supposed to go number one overall in uh, the uh, this month's NHL draft, had a press conference, spoke to the media, and the big quote going around, or at least the big thing going around, he's probably said a lot of general stuff, but he said he's excited if Chicago takes him first overall. If, by the way, uh, if you listen to the show long enough, you all have a good sense of how we feel about Chicago getting the first overall pick in light of all the all the scandals and stuff that they've endured in the last year or so. You have a pretty good idea. That aside, Connor Bedard excited if Chicago picks him first overall. Who wants to take a crack at this one before I take over the start of this podcast? I like Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard scored 70 goals. I think 72 to be exact. Connor Bedard, and, and, and stop me if I, if I read this wrong, is the first CHL player to win, like, top prospect, top play. Like, he won everything. Everything. The, at, at, the, at the World Juniors, he went, uh, like, it got to the point where people were studying his shot. We were looking at his one-handed things and stuff. And he has the audacity to say, if. I'm I'm so sick. audacity. Honestly, whoa! Because like, okay, at, at a certain point, at a certain point, and I know some people are gonna say like, oh well, look, he's all humble and modest. At some point, it gets kind of annoying. Connor Bedard is not the only like top prospect NHL growing star to do the same thing. I remember Connor McDavid was like, oh, if if I get picked by Canada, what? You're Connor McDavid. Of course you're gonna get picked by Canada. So it's like. I, I get it. I get it that you like you never know what's gonna happen until until your name is read and you know you don't want I don't know karma or or reverse jinxing whatever. But Connor, Connor, stop it! You're going first. Like I would love for one year a prospect just to say actually no. You know what? See, I would say that that I wouldn't want that to happen. That's gonna knock them down like four spots. Like one player's just like, oh yeah, I know I'm gonna go first. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited. And then teams would be like, oh my god, look at that personality. We can't have that in our room. And then he drops the fifth overall. That that that's what it will happen. But like, it's just it's just 
it's not cute anymore. And I've seen it so many times where prospects do this. It's not cute anymore. Now it's just getting frustrating. Just like get to the draft, go to Chicago, have a career. Okay, Arun, you go. Sam, you go. Then I want to speak my piece. Honestly, like Omar couldn't have like summed it up any better than I could have. Like I, I, th- I said something pretty much at the World Juniors when people were uh, Bedard's like on ice interview. He was just like, "Oh yeah, like I think he like downplayed his, you know, performance was the best performance in World Juniors history." It's like, yo, you're sick. Like I said at the time, like how awesome would it be if he was just like, "Yeah, I'm the man." Of course, I'm the MVP at this tournament. It's like, what are you talking about? Was there anyone even in consideration? I just don't like get this, but I think what urged me more is sort of the culture that forces him into this false humility act. Yep. yep. Like there's no there's no GM who's not gonna take Bedard first overall, short of him like killing someone or committing something heinous, right? You know, like short of go first overall. Let's not pretend like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. He would still go first. He may he, he, he could he listen, I'm I'm not gonna put this on Connor Day. Okay. Pretty sad. He, he by, could by, by all accounts look yeah. by, look, by all accounts he's a great kid, right? But I'm just saying like you don't need to do this. Like, I think there was something, and I want—I don't want to come off as please like my sport. In fact, I'm trying to do the opposite. But when Victor Wembanyama with the draft lottery went to the Spurs, he's like, cool, I'm a Spur now. Like, he made that clear. He even went as far to, like, speak about how he really wanted the Spurs to get the first pick because Boris Dio and Tony Parker played there, and they have a large following of France. Like, he fully is like, cool, like, give me the playbook already. And I think, like, that's going to be, needs to be embodied by Bedard. Like, there's no one in this draft that is better than him. He's the best draft draft prospect since McDavid. You know, the people who follow the draft year round, like Scott Wheeler said he's got the best shot of any prospect they've ever seen. It's there no there didn't need to be these type of qualifiers. So I don't know who I'm more upset at. Like I'm not necessarily upset at Bedard. I'm upset at the type of hockey media. Some of our own peers would sort of fawn over, oh my God, look how modest he is. Look how humble he is. No, man. Talk your stuff, especially if you're that talented. Like, this board doesn't need any more hyper-talented kids hiding how good they are. He's that good, and he deserves to, to talk it up. And, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. He should just claim right there. Of course, I'm going to show up with Blackhawks. Let's see if we can get some pieces around me. Okay, Sam, you got this one, because I, yeah, I, want, I want another minute. I think Omar and Arun kind of nailed all of it. It's, it's not... I'm not that frustrated that Bedard said that. I'm frustrated, like Garun said, with the culture of hockey where that's what's expected of generational superstar players who in any other league that had any awareness of how you market personalities would let these players show their personalities instead of forcing them to like play humble. Like it doesn't no one no one buys this like we all you've had fans demanding your team's tank salivating over this player we don't need him to pretend like he's not going first overall it's absurd and like the whole thing is just so frustrating to me like you're we're doing this the week after Matt Kachuk who notoriously doesn't play any of these stupid games is in People Magazine like you want to talk about what's actually good for growing the game and showing personality and yeah, people people like find him irritating or whatever, but like he's an actual personality that is selling this sport. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need these kind of boring answers that no one believes. It's completely divorced from reality. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's just uh, here's one thing I'll say about the media though. I'm not inclined to think that everybody in the media is buying that fake humility stuff too. I understand that we're at a point where 
you know, a lot of people like that, or at least it, hockey people, it, it, with hockey people, it's presumed that, you know, a, a player should be more about we and not me. I'm not inclined to believe that all these hockey media people like that. I think more and more now, we're seeing all these other leagues like the NBA and the NFL, especially those two leagues, where it's a little bit more personality driven. I understand with the NFL, they still find a way to keep it team focused, but a lot of those personalities stand up and they do something. And they realize that the, as a result of players being focused on themselves, a lot of people are paying attention to those sports. They're paying attention to those players. They're paying attention to those stories. And at the end of the day, that's going to result in more eyeballs on their stories. It's going to result in more eyeballs on the TV, on the TV product. Like it, it, it benefits for, 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 for these leagues to have more personalities drive everything going on. Mm-hmm. So when you hear a guy like Connor Bedard, like take a step back and be like, nah, this is about my team. I don't, I'm not inclined to think there's a lot of media people out there who are like, oh, good on you, Connor. I think we're all rolling our eyes back being like, oh, like, come on. This is an op- This is a generational prospect. Who could be the best? Go ahead. I don't think the issue is so much like media. Obviously, there are like certain legacy media writers who everyone mostly rolls their eyes out anyway, who that's a good thing. But I think for the most part, the people I tend to read and like for you, Julian, like your regular beat reporter, it's better for you for players with personality. Like how many friends tell the same story using the same quotes? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If Connor Bedard even and the bar we've mentioned this a lot of times on this show how the bar is so low for hockey people to do anything if Connor Bedard do you guys realize if Connor Bedard did that presser and he said man I can't wait to get started in Chicago that's it and, and turn that franchise around and and be the guy there and do everything <laughs> I can he doesn't even have to be all super like I'm gonna be the man all he has to do is just be like I'm excited to go to Chicago I'm excited to learn under Luke Richardson I'm excited to to be a part of that fabric Look, mm-hmm. I get Sam's looking at it, be like, oh my God, I wish he was a Vancouver Canuck or any other thought he could put it. But they could easily just say that and we'd all be fine. But also we'd be like, wow, we've never heard a first overall pick talk this way. It's so easy. It's so easy. He just generated like a billion, billion stories by saying that he would refuse to sign in Chicago. Should have just Eric Lindros it. Oh, dude. Oh, my yeah. Gosh. You know, that's another thing, too. Let's yeah. not act like every single prospect that's been in his situation has said, you know, oh, I'll gladly play for this team. There, It's not impossible that a prospect would say, screw it, I'm not going to play there. But uh, Connor Bernard doesn't come across like that guy. That being yeah. said, if if he ever get, if, if it somehow comes out that like Connor Bernard's like, oh, I don't know about playing in Chicago. Oh, we're going to be all over that story. That would be that'd be insane. But like, it's it's just so funny. Like I can just uh, uh, like imagine if like all he did was say like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to play for Chicago. Like and and you know, to Sam's point, like that one line. Like if he did do that, which is so little, like it's so like like um like insignificant, there would be a oh is Connor McDard you know uh, calling his shot too early. Oh, is this the type of attitude that the Chicago Blackhawks need when they are... Oh, the field? NBA has oh, infiltrated is this, the like, NHL. The, the NBA has infiltrated the it's NHL. And like Eric Lindros never did it. Jimmy VC never did it. Adam Fox never did it. Any college never did it. Yeah, any college yeah. free agent who waits until August 15th. Like, it happens, man. Like, yeah. it happens. And like, why, I, I just don't understand. 
and, and the thing that's so funny is that I, I think, yeah, you know, we talk about like, you know, you know, um, there maybe there might be small pockets of media who might who might make it a bigger story or whatever. How, however, there might be others who might actually lean into it. I wonder what teams would like if, if a team was like watching this and saying, like, oh, boy, oh, my gosh. I mean, hmm. I mean, we like the confidence. He's a little honest on the mic. Can we can we be real here? Hmm. What would Connor? Okay, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't say what would Connor Bedard have to say or do to get out of that first overall pick. But like in that particular situation, there was nothing wrong with him just saying, "Hey, man, I'm gonna be the guy." At all, we we know Adam Fantilli's not gonna be number one. It's not Leo Carlson. It's not Matt Bamichkov. We know it's Connor. You don't have to be all. You know, I'd be happy if they take me. You don't have to do. This. It comes from it comes from the same place that a lot of hockey culture's problems come from, right? It's this idea that, and like the fans who still hold players to that standard and say like, oh, if he said anything else, if he asked to go anywhere else, if he demanded a trade, he's selfish, whatever. Notwithstanding that like literally everyone else in the world can pick where they work, live, etc. It's this idea that you are so lucky to be in the NHL. I random old dude who blew my knee out would have definitely made it would do whatever it takes to be in the nhl you should be grateful that you are here keep your mouth shut about every single other problem that is happening yeah. and it is that same mentality of like franchises and fans are entitled to players doing whatever it takes to win for them that leads to all of these other issues including the blackhawks abuse scandal like i know that some people are going to say it's a stretch to go from there but it it's all not, comes from the same place that like you are lucky, keep your mouth shut, do what's good for the team. I know it's a culture of entitlement. I just want to say quickly, like how maybe the Blackhawks have made it cool if they just showed up with just with Bedard with a ninety eight jersey just already ready to go. Like I'm trying to think in North American sports if there ever has been a parallel. The closest thing I can think of is in two thousand six the NFL draft, like eighteen hours before the draft, the Houston Texans said they were drafting Mario Williams first overall. Yeah. Over widely yeah. presumed first overall pick Reggie Bush. And the NFL was pissed. So I'm trying to think like that's the only thing I can remember in the last 20 years that's happened. But like Mario Williams wasn't like this. I can't miss pick in the NFL. And I just think how great would it be if the Blackouts showed up? Be like, so we're off the clock. Over to you, Anaheim. Like, oh, I and I and that I I I hate I hate it so much when like oh okay the first team's on the clock and they take their time. I hate that so much. We know who you're picking. Walk Last off. year, I understand. Yeah. Like, come on. Oh, my gosh. Peter, oh, was it, was, was Shirley still with uh, Edmonton in 2015? Yeah, right? Shirley, <laughs> Shirley had the audacity to wait like 37 whole seconds to, to, <laughs> to, to walk up and save Connor McDavid. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, okay, well. Maybe teams take that extra second to call the play. I don't know. I don't know why it takes so long. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I'm glad we were able to take that moment just to talk about Carter Bedard. We know he's going to be a hell of a player. You know, good luck in your career, but you don't have to be fake humble, my guy. You're that dude. Mm -hmm. That's all we got to say about that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the uh, big uh, front office moves that have taken place over the last few days. Where should we start? Should we talk about uh, Kyle Dubas going to Pittsburgh, uh, Brad Trilliving in Toronto? I feel like maybe those two are kind of interconnected. 
Mm-hmm. Or should we go in on on the fact that the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to hire Mike Babcock as their head coach? I'm not sure where we should start. I think let's let's do Dubis and True Living first because it's the the oldest bit of news, whereas the Babcock mm-hmm. thing is more recent. Um, and I just need to I need to address a section of Leafs fans because I, I I saw this this take happen uh, occur over and over and over. And there are a lot of Leafs fans who are going back to the, um, the Red interview. That's also what I like to de- uh, describe it as. Where Kyle the Dubis, interview. Yeah, uh, the interview that uh, that that God Dubis fired apparently, um, where he's saying, oh, you know, at end of God. that. That's you're not we're... calling it based off the Red Wedding, are you? No, of course not. Anyway, um, so so like. And a lot of a lot of Leafs fans are going back to that that video because you know Dubis was you know visually emotional and taught and said you know pretty much it's either Toronto or nowhere else or you know be taking a year off. You're paraphrasing here because he couldn't see himself you know working for another team. Right. Fast forward to now, he's now the president of Pittsburgh, and people are now taking that moment and saying, "Oh, well, look at that! He's a slimy snake, coward, liar, just saying all that stuff." <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah. Calling him a snake and stuff. It's like they're, Dubis, they're, they're... more like Judas. <laughs> it's like there, there's, there's so much more information, but between those two events, it's, it's not even the same thing. It's like, yes, he said that at the time, and then what happened afterwards, and also the fact that 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 he's it's not like he joined Pittsburgh as the GM. He's the president, so there was a lot that took place. Aside from that, and like, what are you gonna say? Okay, so, so Brendan Shanahan fired him. Oh, oh, but his contract he fired him, right? He did. Oh, so what he's supposed to do? Just not not work ever? Okay, I'm gone. Peace. I can't work in the NHL anymore. I told the fans of Toronto that it was either Toronto or nowhere else. I can no longer work. That's it. Like, no, man. And and again, I think we're we're seeing. I think we're starting to see and read between the lines of where the where the disconnect was. He's the president of Pittsburgh. And he's there for seven years, according to according to the reports. He wanted more autonomy. He wanted more say, and he wanted that long term commitment. I don't know if the lease would have given him a seven year deal, truthfully. And I'm saying that as a person who thought he did a good job. I don't think they would have given him a seven year deal. I think they give him another three and see what happens. So it's like all all, all of the 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 back checking and the oh do business snake. No man, this is the league. This is the business. He's in Pittsburgh now. Good luck to him. Now we have true living. I don't know how that's gonna go, but I, I, I so, so I just wanted to address that because like I, I've, I've been seeing it a lot more and more and more, and now people are saying like, oh, on Dubis's first day he fired these people, but on true living's first day he took time to to meet everyone. Different situations, man. Completely different situations. We're talking about a possible retool slash build thing in Pittsburgh versus Toronto, where we like to think they're getting there and you just need to like add things and add, and make some adjustments around the player personnel well like there's no one in the staff and the manager that needs changes you might say that for pittsburgh so like all the comparisons that i'm seeing is just so frustrating like can we just accept the fact we have a new gm let the other guy go like let's just move on now yeah wow you, you, wow. you you're ready to move off from dubis like that no dude you nailed well, just it. like just move on like no, the the new the new guy hired. He has a new job in Pittsburgh. Let's just move on. Like I'm I'm not I'm not doing this every time. So now every time we face Pittsburgh is going to be a big thing. What because of the president? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, like man. people were no, saying that like it's 
it's a big rivalry between Toronto and Pittsburgh now. Like, let's calm down, okay? Calm down. Like, like really, really? No, it's not the leaving. No, look, look, man. Having having attended that May nineteenth press conference where Dubas had the that, like Omar's absolutely correct. Like, I think you don't even have to compare the Leafs and Penguins situations. If you have a standing job offer which is being negotiated, and you say, "I'm either going to take said job offer or take a year off." The job offer then gets rescinded after you say such a thing, and then you get a promotion. Who, who in the right mind would get mad at you if those were the circumstances? If you take the hockey part out of it, like I just don't understand it. Like I think this idea we just talked about how it's so refreshing when players are candid with the media. Like Dubis's press conference was extremely candid, and for people to weaponize it against him it is ludicrous to me. Like I have always been in Dubis's camp. You know, if the Leafs chose to dismiss him, I thought that would have been a fine option, I guess, if they had a better contingency plan in place. But I think some of the reaction towards him after the fact has just been ludicrous. Not only that, move on. Like, the decision has been made. I think you can empathize with the idea that Dubas got fired unfairly. You know, the fact that Brandon Shanahan saw his press conference and sort of unilaterally fired him. Like, Brandon Shanahan, I've said this repeated times, is operating like Florentino Perez, like Real Madrid's presence. There's no sort of hockey comparable to the way he's operating. He's operating as a one-man, like unilateral madman in control. And I know he, his, you know, his playing or resume lends him some credibility, but he—it's the Brendan Shanahan show now. Like that's it's clear. You know, for Brad Trembling, I, I was actually going to ask like Julian for his scouting report. Yeah. Frankly, you yeah. probably know a lot more than Omer and I do, but. I, I would say, look, like, he seems like a fine-ish choice. Like, I wasn't thrilled by it. I do think it could be indicative of at least going backwards where you have this 38-year-old sort of progressively-minded um, guy and you have this now this 53-year-old hockey man TM um, who has some nepotism in him. I mean, we're all going to Boston Pizza for our own time meetup now, but... I, 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 I don't know. Like, <laughs> oh my god! What I don't know. I mean, like he he seemed like. Look, I will say this one about what I got from Brad Trembling, and this might be too optimistic. Is that he seems like he is a straight shooter. Like, there's going to be some more, no more of the sort of sh- out shrouded in secrecy type of stuff. You know, Shanahan has now made two media availabilities in the last three weeks after basically disappearing for about a better part of a year. Maybe at least some more transparency from the general manager's role. I think like that if there were, you know, criticism of Dubas, some of it was like, well, he keeps everything close to the chest. You know, it's really just him and Jason Spezza, who, by the way, resigned in protest when uh, Dubas got fired. And I think he is actually a strong candidate to become the general manager in Pittsburgh now. But wait, what? Well, well, I think so. I think I think Dubas is going to hire me. That makes sense. It's so fascinating. I do enjoy I that think, so much. I think <laughs> I think Dubas is going to hire Jason Spezza in some capacity. But uh, uh, let's go back to this if that if that happens. By the way, zone time breaking stories before it happens. He's going to hear me screaming from Etobicoke. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah. Anyway, all I want to say is that this idea of getting mad at Kyle Dubas for taking a job when he's offered a better job and holding him to what he said when he had an existing job offer on the table. Is just absolutely ludicrous. Sam, you're a lawyer. Did Kyle do anything wrong? <laughs> no, the whole the discourse around this entire situation is completely deranged. Yep. Yes. Like completely deranged. Same people who like 
get mad at players for wanting to sign somewhere else and not coming back. Like, it's the same th thing I said earlier. This entitlement to people's loyalty is absurd. It's a professional league. These are multi-million dollar organizations. Cal uh, Dubas and the players are the employees. If he gets a better offer uh, after you decided not to sign him and after you didn't sign him all year long, knowing that this was on the table, it is completely deranged for people to think that after Shanahan decided not to re-sign him, that he shouldn't take another job. Because when he did this interview right after the season ended and was clearly dealing with a lot of emotions, including the weight of his family's like issues with, with the stress of that particular situation, it is completely deranged for people to be like, he should not take another job. You would never expect that of yourself in that situation. Like, imagine that your boss comes to you and says, hey, actually, we're not going to re-sign you. You're now unemployed. And then some other organization comes to you and says, hey, we're going to give you a promotion and pay you a ton of money. Are you? No, no, I can't. I can't do that because I was with that previous team since... 2014 you see and they they gave me my start i was just, just uh i was just no way yeah <laughs> honest never never work again and just like sit at home and cry about the fact that you didn't get resigned that's like totally normal thing to do right it's yeah, so no it's actually thinks that this conversation is absurd i can't believe like i can't believe there's even any credibility behind the stories i've seen written and the conversation about how oh well dubas must have known he had an inkling that the Penguins were going to make him this offer or he already had it. And that's why he went back to Shanahan and asked for more. And like that casts this whole thing in a different light and it's disloyal. Uh, no, it's actually super rational to negotiate in your own best interest. If you're not negotiating your own best interest, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? Yeah. Also, like, like have that same energy for like your favorite player who is on your on your team's payroll up until June July 1st 11:51 a.m. and then by some divine miracle at 12:01 p.m. on July 1st they have a whole full deal contract no no trade clause no move all these details in 1 minute like come come on like actually come on now it sucks it's annoying it's frustrating but like let's just move on let like move I, me, I am saying this. Me, the person who literally leads this team in weekly freakouts. Chill and move on. God, I, I'm so. I like. I think. I think this is why I don't care about. I, I don't care about the Stanley Cup final. I just want the off season to start so moves can be made so we can stop talking about. Oh, what is Brad Trevillian going to do for Matthews? What is he going to do for Martyr? What is he going to do for Newlander? What trade is he going to move? Who is he going to fire? Who is he going to hire? What's Dubas going to do? How are they going to like? Just oh, let's let's just let's just move on. Let's just go. Yeah. I'm, I'm so well, I'm so tired of this. Uh, the only I think you guys have it right with uh, with Kyle Dubas. Uh, so I'll just say this about Brad Trevillian. Yes, he has one more playoff series win than Kyle Dubas does. Okay, Julian, I'm more, I'm more, I'm more, sorry, I have to ask this question. 
Like what what are what do we need to know about him? Like you've just spent the last year covering okay. him. What do we need to know about him? What do you, okay, what do you need to know about Brad Trilliving, I guess? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think like what's the biggest thing you would need to know about? I mean, cause it, it it's just wild just because the last year went the way that it did. Mm. You know what? Give him a chance in an organization that has more resources to play with. That's the biggest thing I have to say. Because dude spent nine years under Murray Edwards, who is not known as one of the more free-spending owners in the National Hockey League, and that might be putting it lightly. That's one thing I would say. Um, The Brendan Shanahan part of all this gives me a little pause, but I don't have to worry about Brad Treliving fighting for space with his head coach. Like, was like what was the case in Calgary with Daryl Sutter with when it comes to young players? As for 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 Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews seems like he wants to stay in Toronto. Yeah, I don't know why everyone's getting so worked up about it. Let him like they'll figure that out in time. Like like Brad Treliving has already made that priority number one. He'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um. I liked talking to Brad just offhanded or just sending him a text or anything like that. Like, he seemed like a very nice... He Actually, I will say this. And this is... Like, don't take what I'm about to say as, like, a sign that he's a good general manager. This is just me basing off my own personal relationship with him. When it was announced that I was moving to Calgary, he called me personally and was like, hey, congratulations. He is a very nice guy. Like, I will give him that and I wish him nothing but the best. Do I agree with every single move that he made during his tenure? Absolutely not. He had Bill Peters as his head coach. He has to get fried for that. Mm. What? Like, I will give him props on the fact that he did, you know, in terms of his people skills with media, never had an issue with him, made himself accessible. That's one other thing I'm very intrigued about. He made himself accessible uh, in, in Calgary. Does he have... Is he going to be able to do that in Toronto, considering the horde of media that's going to be descending on him? But that's a whole other thing in itself. Um, I'm the only thing I can really say is Leafs fans have to give him a chance, I guess. Like, I, I get it. Like, their track record's not perfect. But I, I, I think in a market like Toronto and in in with the players that they have, there's a potential at least they went around and you don't have to worry about those first round jokes again. Like, you can make them competitive. You know, we maybe could find us some other guys that can fill out the roster. Uh, before I got there, that seemed to be a thing that followed him. He seemed to be a GM who was very good at finding those bit players and maybe not getting some of those bigger names in. And that's another thing, too. Calgary is not Toronto. I like Austin. We mentioned him already. If there's any other prospective free agent, it's a lot easier to entice them to come to Toronto compared to getting them to come to Calgary. Bradshaw Living also has that advantage in his pocket, too. Hey, you want to you wanna be in the next Boston pizza commercial? It, it's a lot of Sam, like the criticism, yes. including criticisms that I have expressed about tree living is a lot of hindsight, right? Like going into yeah. this season, no one thought the flames would underperform the way they did. No, no, like, no, no one. And you know, like I made fun of the Leafs for hiring him because he's the one who traded Kachuk, but like he made the best of a bad situation. Like he yeah. was told by a player who clearly and openly says he respects him a lot, has a great relationship with him, made a point of telling him, I don't want to sign here long-term and do what you need to do. And he made the best of a bad situation. Like, we all thought that was, that he got a good return from that. Like, at that time, at that time, we all laughed. We all laughed. Like, Avery said, I'll mention the the gold do-rag thing. Like, 
We uh, I thought that I thought Florida got murdered on that trade the the day it happened. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, no I, oh, no one thought Cooperdo was going to have such a bad season. No, no, no. Also, maybe this is an unpopular take to make. You cannot declare. It's very rare that you can declare a winner of a trade after a year it happened. It's entirely possible Matthew Kachuk turns into a generational player, turns into the best player out of that trade. But maybe Huberto ends up bouncing back and ends up giving the Flames what they need to. Mackenzie Weger is going to be the highest paid defenseman on that Flames team. They could still come out of this pretty well. And maybe Matthew Kachuk still gets what he wants in Florida. It's possible he could get both winners out of it. Yeah. God forbid something happens to Matthew Kachuk and his stats fall off for the rest of his career. What are we going to say about that trade then? Like, I, I, I mean, I learned from this. He's had a great season, but if he plays the next however many games in the cup finals, like he did game one. What are people going to see that? Back then? I was having a whole conversation with some Calgary friends about this the other day. This is like the first real playoff run. And look, I've praised Matthew Kachuk and I think he's a top five player. This is the first real playoff run where Matthew Kachuk has like really performed. Because there are other people who would say like, no, like he's disappeared in the playoffs. Like this is the first real run where Matthew Kachuk has emerged as the star player he was supposed to be. Like he was supposed to be in Calgary. So, like, I get it. It looks really bad on its surface, and it could be a lot worse years to come. It's just, it's been a year. Like, let's not declare a winner and a loser. Like, even when the trade happened, I was like, all right, we got to see what happens. I don't, like, I I think Calgary made out okay in that trade, but I also understand why people feel a way because it was revealed that they did consider the possibility of rebuilding last summer. Mm-hmm. Good times, good times. So. Yeah. But anyway, um, but yeah, Brad for living. If you're a Leafs fan, I say give him a chance. But hey, maybe it ends up not working out. But hey, maybe it does. Uh, Kyle Dubas in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's got every right to do what he did. Um, but now we got to talk about Mike Babcock. Now shocked. Mm. I I with with all of the rhetoric around Mike Babcock and all the stories that came out. Um, let's, let's, let's all remember, right, that the the stuff about Mike Babcock was one of the many dom- dominoes that preceded the uh, you know, Akeem Alou story, the Bill Peters mm-hmm. story and such, right? So when, when that came out, I genuinely did not think Mike Babcock would coach again in the league, honestly. And I don't, and and I don't know why. Because every time something happens in the league and it's unideal and it's unfortunate and it's negative, like my thought process is always, okay, I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. This genuinely surprised me. With again, with the other uh, possible names that that were being floated around, and again, we talk about it on Zone Time all the time about how this recycling of like former coaches who got fired in the NHL for 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 di- many different reasons I genuinely did not think Babcock was on anyone's like legitimate radar it always comes up as a joke and but man thoughts and prayers to Johnny Goudreau that sucks you want from Tortorella okay. <laughs> hold on hold on hold on hold on mm. uh, my, my my colleague at the athletic Haley Salvia made this point and I'm gonna echo the sentiment too mm. Everyone thought that Johnny Gaudreau was going to suffer under Daryl Sutter, who was a noted hard ass, and he only went on to have his best season as a pro mm-hmm. under him. Does that mean he liked playing for Daryl Sutter? That's not necessarily clear. Right. I understand his dad is also kind of similar to Daryl Sutter, like when he coached him, he was a lot younger and stuff. Does mm-hmm. he like playing for those types of people? I'm not sure. 
that being said, it's entirely possible. Like it could work offensively, but also, yeah, I'm just, I guess I'm just confused as to like, why was Babcock the person? And is, is this Columbus, is this Columbus saying, okay, we're tired of being bad. We're going to try to actually like take some steps. And if that's the case, what, like, what else are they going to do? Because if it's just we're gonna hire Babcock and then see if he can rally the rally the troops and get them in the playoffs, like that that's not gonna work. So yeah, I guess my main question is just why why am I Babcock? That's if I if I had if I could ask any question to uh, Yarma Kekalainen and say why him, why him specifically. Um, look, okay, I want to I want to just respond to this. The only thing I can think of is they had torts and it seemed like having somewhat of his ilk kind of brought something out of them and it worked. But even then, like, here's my thing with this. I'm not surprised that Mike Babcock is back. I'm surprised Columbus is the team. I always thought that as long as Ken Holland has a job in the National Hockey League, <laughs> God forbid something happens, Mike Babcock could end up somewhere. I deadass believe that. They're boys. Like, they, like I get it. Like, you know, it ended in Detroit. They're boys. Like, it's yeah. going to happen. Like, <laughs> for the longest while, I was saying, like, okay, if it wasn't going to work in Edmonton, all you got to do is hit up Mike Babcock and be like, all right, coach Connor McDavid and them boys. Like, I I, I knew he was going to come back. You know what people love to do in the NHL? Point at a guy's resume and be like, well, he won here. He did all this stuff here. He found a way to make this work here. He should totally coach our team. You know, a guy who hasn't won a – What did he make work when – but Omar, he won a Stanley Cup with the Detroit Red Wings in two thousand and eight. That team could have played without a coach, and they would have won a Stanley Cup, right? I'm just, be- but but guys, like but, the but, rest you know, there, you know what? won a, gold you, medals with Team Canada. I could have coached Team Canada, and they would have won. We all could have coached Team Canada. Look, guys, I think guys, my, my biggest issue with the Babcock discourse is this propensity, like. All the pushback I've seen for people saying he shouldn't be coaching in the league again has been people who are mad saying, yeah, he's a jerk. He's a he's a generational jerk. He's a generational asshole. What's the big deal? Like, he wins. I, I think that's a very deliberate mischaracterization of what he did. Like, he's he's not just, like, a coach who's tough on their players. Like, Look, I Daryl Daryl Sutter is tough on his players. I have, and you know, I, maybe the stories just haven't come out. I've never heard of anyone expressly saying, you know, Daryl Sutter is the worst human I've ever met, and I couldn't get out of bed. I was scared to go to the rink. Like this man ruined Johan Franzen's life in in Johan Franzen's own words. Like to say that he is a generational jerk is a massive understatement of what he did, and it's not just. You know, like Chelios came out and said he gave him a nervous breakdown on the bench and in the hotel room in Nashville after in that year. And then you have Mark Fraser coming out. I'm like, think about how think about how bad of a person you have to be for players to expressly say this about you on the record with their names behind it. This is a league where none of this stuff comes out. And Mark mm-hmm. Fraser came out and said 95% of the players who have ever played for him don't have a single good thing to say about him. Do you know what it takes for a player in this league, especially a player of color, to come out and say that? 
and, like, and, and, and come and, on. And, and, and I want that. I want that. Like, uh, thank you for saying that because mm-hmm. we're not stupid. Players talk to each other. They yep. talk to each other about cities to play in. They talk to each other about coaches to play for. You mean to tell me with all of these stories out there and all of these quotes out there with Mike Babcock, there are at least a few people in Columbus who are looking at each other being like, are we sure this is the guy we want in our locker room? There's no way. Like that. That's what boggles my mind about this. And while I'm not surprised because people, again, will point at a resume and say, this is the guy to do it. I get Johnny Gaudreau. Patrick Laine, how was he feeling about this? Like, like, come on. What's his contract like? Hold on. How are there not guys in Columbus? I can understand they might not say anything on record, but how are there not guys in Columbus right now who are looking at this and they're like, uh, is this the right idea? I get that he won, but like, I don't know. Like, I don't know, man. Pull this up. Mark Fraser tweeted in 2019, word for word, he said, you will never truly understand some of the terrible, undeserving things Babs has done to some of his players. You don't have to like all your coaches, but he is one who 95% of his players can't say a good thing about. With the ability to end players' careers, he's chosen to do so to long-serving vets that have resulted in all his players turning against him. He has used his power to turn teammates against each other and chooses to continuously lie to his players. All this for a guy who has won, and I have to double-check this. I know I'm going off a tweet from Adam Gretz. This is from a guy who won one playoff series since 2010. Yeah. For me, like, you guys talk about Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Lani. Like, I'm more worried about, like, 20-year-old Ken Johnson and whoever they yeah. third overall pick. Like, you know, Babcock won that cup 15 years ago. That means whoever they take with the third overall pick this year was five years old when that happened. Like... <laughs> Not only does Babcock's like resume not hold up, it's just straight up irrelevance to the players that are going to be at, you know, the core of the next franchise and what they want to be, right? The Blackhawks are, I'm sorry, the Blue Jackets are clearly in a, in a rebuild. So if Mike Babcock is the one responsible for, you know, teenagers and young players in their 20s developments, like that, that to me is the most worrisome part. I mean, the Johnny Hockey stuff, sure. The Patrick Lonnie stuff, sure. That's going to be bad too. But those dudes are at least like in their mid to late 20s. Like, I'm really, really worried about the younger players that Babcock is expected to mold into the next leaders of the Blue Jackets organization. Like, it's just a bad call. And like, you know, when Babcock had that run with the Mighty Ducks in 2003, like, Ken Johnson was, was he even born? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, the, that that is the, the scary part, given where like that franchise is trending. Like putting him responsible for a room full of guys who are barely removed from junior hockey is frightening, um, to say the least. I don't know, man. Like I, I have not, and I, and I get it. I haven't gone out like some other journalists have in terms of talking to people close to Mike Babcock. I have not heard anything that suggests that he's learned from some of the transgressions that have followed him. That he's willing to kind of really give a proper apology. I know in the sports that article that was written about him like two years ago, he kind of mm. addressed those things, but like didn't really. I didn't get the sense he really apologized for them. I mean, he might have felt. A I don't bit think because I genuinely don't think he thinks what he did was wrong. Yeah, I, at I, the I, time I, I think that too. Yeah, like at the time I think it was like no, it was it was a. <laughs> I I used to do a good a good my my uh, my back off voice, but like I think at the time he thought it was the right thing to do, but to Sam's point, like. It's those little mini things that that turn people against each other in, in a room. And does he think that like that that type of environment or atmosphere is is good for an NHL locker room? 
I, I, I don't know, but it's just like, again, I just don't get it. I, 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 I don't, I don't get it. And again, it just seems like another example of just NHL teams is being lazy with their hires. It's always just like the same crop of people instead of like, Arun, you mentioned like this is like yeah, yeah. You have like you know established players. We also have like a young core that's forming. This could be an opportunity to get like a you know prospective coach who has new ideas, who you know who is, is very creative, who has different coaching styles, and then have that coach grow with this core as well. But no, let's just go back to something that worked. Even though, as Julia mentioned, and Arun and I, Arun and I know. The, he didn't win a single round, no, with us. And in fact, some of those playoff loot losses, I hold directly at his hands, directly. To something you said just now, though, like the younger players who are coming in, and Arun's point that whoever they draft would have been five when he won that cup. Notwithstanding that, you know, Connor Bedard and all these players who are coming in still give you the same kind of milk toast cliched answers and interviews mm. i don't think anyone can deny that there is like there's a mentality shift in the players who are younger and not just in players who are younger like people generally like gen zers have very different tolerance levels mm-hmm. or treatment like this mm-hmm. and if you think that you know i i appreciate that there's still hockey culture they still have all those issues but I still have to think that, like, even in the workplace, like, looking at people who are younger than me now, like, the things, they are way better at drawing boundaries. They are way better at being, like, I'm not dealing with your bullshit. Like, I just, I think the fact that even in Toronto, the way he lost that dressing room with young players can be attributed to the fact that, like, I don't think hockey management has grappled with younger players like Zegris and, like, all the Leafs players. Like, all these players coming up have very different expectations of how they are going to be treated. Yeah, that is so well said. That is so well said. Look, I'm a math one. These players will be three years old when Batman was 2008. So, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. What have you done for me lately? You know, like, you know, and I get some people, look, I can understand if the Blue Jackets were, like, so close to being a contending team. Even then, I'd still be like, I don't know if this is the guy to do it. But Babcock is supposed to be the guy who... Like that—that that would make sense to me if I, Mike Babcock decided to to coach a team that was on the verge of being a real contending team. With all due respect to Columbus, I understand they had they, they had all those injuries uh, from last season. They're not better than Carolina. They're not better than New Jersey. They're not better than New York Rangers in their division. Uh, are they better than Pittsburgh right now? I I don't know. Good luck with that. You know, I am very curious to see how Mike Babcock is going to somehow try to turn that organization around and well yeah let's see how we just with some of those young players and that core that is still ways away and i still think like i don't know i'm sure those players are gonna have to give him a chance but i have a hard time thinking everyone is on board with that decision i get zach Wierenski saying like hey we trust yarmo kekalainen and all that but like someone in that room is like i don't know has yarmo been there has to be has to be Patrick. Patrick Line, man. Get that guy a good coach, bro. Hold on. It's kind I mean, of ironic. I say get that man a good coach. All the publicly reported reasons about why Line left Winnipeg. Why does anyone think this is a good idea? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Can't be that. <laughs> um still got a bit 
Well, while Omar looks up how long Yarmo Kekalainen has been GM in Columbus, uh, we should talk about, uh, you know, the idea that one day the NHL could uh, expand on the number of teams that it has. Uh, Atlanta has been kind of drummed up in the past, well, not in the past, but in the last few weeks. Uh, Salt Lake City could work as a potential landing spot if Arizona doesn't get its arena self together. Um, What do you guys think about the idea that Atlanta and Salt Lake City could have NHL teams in the not-too-distant future. And we could have as many as, like, 34 NHL teams. Arun, I feel like you want to jump in first. Well, I really like Atlanta as an idea, but I think there has to be, like, a crucial point made, that it has to be in the actual city center of Atlanta. What Absolutely. The, what the Atlanta Braves have done is that they've moved, they've built three stadiums in my lifetime. I'm 34 years old, and the Braves have played at three different venues. They, the ownership group of that franchise is expertly sort of wielded money from the suburbs of Georgia. They've pushed their new stadium. Defector had this really good piece when the Braves opened their last stadium about how they've the stadium so inaccessible that it's in some suburb in Cobb County, Georgia, that actual, you know, the people in the city center of Atlanta can't access the team. That has to be crucial. If, it, if, if hockey in Atlanta is going to work again, they have to engage with their large black population. They can't just say, no, here come the white boys. We're going to try to make it work again. It's going to be Thrasher's 2.0. How are you going to be in Atlanta and not involve black people? How are you? Exactly. It's I think, Atlanta. Well, I exactly. think the Thrasher's failed to do that last time around. I Bruh. think people aren't idiots. And I think that there has been such distaste between, again, like the Braves who had who won the World Series in 2021, probably are going to win the World Series this year, or at least the favorite right now or one of them. Like the fact that the Braves have become so disenfranchised from this actual city center itself is a sore spot in the state of Georgia. If it, hockey is going to work in Atlanta, I'm all for it, but it has to be in the city center proper or else it's a non-starter. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about Salt Lake City? I, I mean, it seems like a lot of people are talking about Ryan Smith, the owner, potential owner of, of anything going on in Salt Lake City, and a lot of people seem to be impressed with him, but also, but they have Utah's the Jazz, but like, I don't really know anything about Salt Lake City. I'm willing to give it yeah. a, ch- a chance. It just, it doesn't, like, I, I don't have like a point where I look at this, at the place and it's like, oh, this is cool. Like, I, I don't have a reference point. And maybe that's my ignorance, but, like, I don't have... And sure, if they have the infrastructure, if they can make it work, awesome, great. You know, all for, you know, the NHL expanding itself and making it in itself into a more profitable sport or, or more profitable entity. Houston, we'll, yeah. we'll have to touch up on Houston, too, at some point. But, like, Salt Lake City, I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, same like, yeah, It's kind of just like an okay. I think when it comes to those two options, it's just like a that'd be cool. I think of all of them, like as everyone mentioned, like Atlanta probably sticks out the most to me. But I think when it comes to like expansion overall, I love the chaos that expansion drafts bring. So I think that is what I'd be looking forward to and just seeing like, and it sucks that like it's so funny how like. NHL teams will learn from things we don't want them to learn from. You know what I mean? So, like, if there's a mistake that, like, they should learn from, they don't. But if there's a mistake that's like, oh, no, it's okay, you can make this mistake, like, they all pony up on. So, like, the first year where they introduced three-on-three overtime and it was sick and it was nuts, and then, like, coaches were like, okay, well, you know, let's put some structure into us. Now it sucks. Like, that first first expansion draft where, like, teams are just doing nonsense. Here's – here, we're going to give you – uh, March or so to take Riley Smith or we're going to give you William Carlson like all these dumb trades that ended up making Vegas like a powerhouse 
Like, we didn't see that much with Seattle because, like, teams learned, like, oh, you know, I don't, don't want to make that, that same mistake. But, like, the, the expansion drafts and, like, all the the rules and stuff that and all the the situations and the teams that, like, are, are in a position where, like, oh, they'll be really screwed by the expansion draft. Or it's like, oh, no, okay, they'll be all, they'll be all right from the expansion draft. So I think that's something that I'd, I'd be looking forward to the most. And I wonder if the league does, can they expand, two t- like, two times in one year? That would be cool. I mean, interesting. I, I can't think of any rule that says they can't. I don't know offhand. I mean, unless they can't yeah. pay the expansion fee. Yeah. So I think that I think that I think I'm looking looking most forward to. But what I'm definitely not looking forward to is all the what about us discussions that will come up as always. Like every time the expansion comes up, you know, you have the the, the old Nordiques fans say, "Hey, what about us? What about Quebec City?" Um, Halifax is still coming. I mean, they, they, they about to how- be like, what Absolutely. about us? Like, Absolutely. the market exists. It's a, yeah. it's a slam dunk if they put a team back there. Centre-Ville-Dron is there. Like, they could do it. They uh, could. Like, they could do it. But let's just be real. Gary doesn't want it. Gary don't want Gary that. don't want it. So, At least not right away. I don't know. I don't think Gary wants it. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah so I think the, exp- the expansion draft, like another expansion draft, especially... Seeing like who's going to be in the hot seat, um, you know, considering what took place with Seattle and Vegas and how like those things were different. Like we just recently watched Shea Theodore have like a sick, a sick goal in the Stanley Cup final. And I remember once upon a time where he was the you no know, the next the next one in Anaheim, right? So it's just interesting to see how the trajectory how the trajectory of an expansion draft can change a team both for better or for worse. So that's why we let that guy to. go. Yeah, that Vegas one was so fun. Looking back, yeah, everyone. I don't think anyone expected that of Vegas, right? Like, it, like obviously, looking back, there were some huge misfires, but like, there's a reason they called themselves the Golden Misfits for the entire first season. Yeah, that was so that was so frustrating. I was like, oh wow, they're. I think they. I don't know if they either they won their first preseason game by a lot or they lost, and then I just wasn't paying attention. And then like as the season go, it was going on. I was like, oh okay. Oh, oh, okay. Then the playoffs. Oh, oh, Winnipeg. And then they made the final. And I was like, huh. So they made the final in their first year. And then I watched the Leafs get eliminated. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not everything worked. I mean, I mean, some things worked, but remember Vadim Shipachev? No. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. We had how the old knights got him, but like that was supposed to be like the dude there. Yeah. They had some stuff that didn't. Work oh out. my gosh! Even um, Thomas Tatar wasn't it a first, a second, and a third, oh and he only played God. like one game or something. Yeah, he he did oh. not get used all that much in that playoff run. Yeah, yeah. does it, does it matter when you won nine playoff series in four years? Uh, and you're, as of this recording, three wins away from a Stanley Cup final. Which, by the way, I guess that could kind of segue into the final point here. Um, how do you guys feel about the fact that uh, the Vegas Golden Knights could win a Stanley Cup? And, uh, you know, are they like a villain? Do, are we using that in this final? Like, I know the Cinderella story applies for the Florida Panthers, but, like, do we feel any way about Vegas? Do we feel any bad way about them? Really? Never they were a normal social still story. wearing a Vegas... You have shirt before, so I you know. have. I feel great. I just don't think they have a long enough history to be considered like a villain, or they haven't in that short history done anything to sort of 
earn any contempt. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I think people want them to make them into this villain story because the city of Vegas itself, like, oh my God, it's a land of frat boys and bachelor parties and all this stuff. I guess, sure, I've never been to Vegas. How many of those frat boys are from Vegas, though? Vegas, it seems like, it seems like a town where, like, if you're a frat boy, you go there. But, like, I think mostly you want LV. Right. I think all the arguments against, like, Vegas being a villain are sort of contrived, or it's about, like, they're... They're too new, and they haven't yeah. suffered enough to win. Which is... uh, I don't think so. To be honest, I think I think the them being too new, they haven't suffered enough, they're definitely up there. I think the, the main reason why I see a lot of people clown on Vegas is so dumb, because everyone can do it, is I the same screenshot gets moved, gets shown. Oh, they're circumventing the cap. Oh, yeah. They're 96 million. I'm like, yeah, March Stone. That's that's why people don't don't want them to win because they're cheating. Just like Tampa was cheating, and just like all other teams that 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 go over the cap are cheating, even though everyone else can do it. You can do it too. I feel like that's a song. You can do it too, right? Like every team has has every team has done it. They're benefiting from it. Whatever. Like, oh, this is Gary's. This is Gary's NHL where the team that's. 14 million over the cap can make it to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Shout out the Vegas. the rules. Shout out the Vegas Golden Knights, too, who also have 16 Canadians on their team. Do they really? They're truly, they're, they're Canada's team. I think they have they have the highest number of Canadians in their league. Oh, I didn't look. But yeah, I, I'm not really cheering for teams. I'm just cheering for players. So I'm only cheering for Vegas because I want to fill to get another another cup ring. Cool, cool. I, I, slept on, I slept on Vegas all playoffs long. And I know I kind of did that with Florida, too. But I don't want to see Vegas do it. Like that would be really fun to see them like win the Stanley Cup so soon. Like that's that's a cool story. I, I don't mind that at all. I'm okay with that. They had all these different goalies they were going through, and Aiden Hill ends up being the guy that leads them to the promised land. Rob, that's a pretty sick story. Save of the playoffs. Ooh, that paddle oh, save. Oh my god. What a save. Unreal. Unreal stop. Also, like Jack Eichel gets a cup before Connor McDavid does. Yo, yo! <laughs> Jack Eichel has never lost a playoff series. Yo, I didn't even think about that. Spicy. I also just i I have like a genuine soft spot for Mark Stone. I think that'd be a bench. Yeah, yeah. I, it's cool to see. I'm, look, I, I'm with you guys too. Like I, I I've said on the show, like okay, like who cares? It's a loophole that's available to everybody. The fact that he's able to play, he's able to contribute at a high level. Good for Mark Stone. Yeah. Are we making the Vegas Golden Knights the good guys? I, that, I don't know. Guys I said to you all along, I think there are multiple episodes where I've been like, why yeah. is everyone saying they're the underdogs? Like, yeah. they were the number one seed in the West. This makes no sense to me. Yeah, I've Sam, Sam's been cooking all year for that. It's Sam been cooking, honestly. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like... I'm, I'm, I really, I really tried to think about like whether it's just like everything with the Leafs or whatever, but like I genuinely, or actually, you know what? It's probably the schedule, it's a schedule to it. The schedule has been nuts because like there are moments where I genuinely forgot hockey was still going on. Like they were doing all the media for it, like, like on the Friday, and I was like, oh yeah, right, that's still happening. This is like, there's so many gaps. Like, oh my gosh. So, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully it ends in the offseason can get going. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Zone Time. Uh, we'll enjoy the rest of the Stanley Cup final. Hey, maybe there'll be more games for us to talk about next week. Uh, but uh, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Arun. Thank you, Tic Tac Tomar, for hopping on 
this week's edition. Subscribe to the podcast, however you consume podcasts. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.